0: Hello and welcome to the MuEx Podcast. In this episode we cover the song Am I Rye? No. I'm Thomas from Denmark, and with me today is Anne from the United States. Hi! as well as Odwa, all the way from Norway. Hello. This is the show 100% for fans by fans. In each episode, we aim to reminisce and talk nostalgia, as well as analyse and discuss everything about each song in the Mewback catalogue. If you're unfamiliar with the band, then I hope this may be a good place to get started on your own journey to become a fan yourself, or a fringer, as we like to call it. So today, let's talk about Am I Rhyno? which was originally recorded on Third Stone Studio Los Angeles and Sun Studio in Copenhagen. It was mixed at cello studio Los Angeles and contains a little bit of piano by Patrick Warren. The song was first released on Muse's second album, Half the World is Watching Me, but a newer version can be found on the breakthrough album Fringers. It was released as a single in 2002 and again in 2003 to promote the new album, released on their own label, The Evil Office, and then an Epic as well. And with that said, we can mention that we did a big survey on uh, all the songs of Mew. In this survey, this song came in second of, was it 123 songs we got in that survey? Uh, I don't remember now. (laughs) Let me just check real quick. We might as well. 122 songs. Close enough. With that said, um, I believe there was a little interview with uh, Jonas Pierre, the lead singer of the band. For you, those of you unfamiliar. And uh, I believe you know, you had a little interview you found there, Odva?
1: Yes. In an interview with SoundFacts, Jonas said, I came up with a simple baritone riff, and Bo Madsen came up with this really cool counterpart for it. So it was kind of a call and answer thing, just the guitars. I always thought that felt like the chorus, and everyone else in the band thought what I thought was the verse was the chorus. But it was a really cool song, and I had this nice modulation in the outro, where it goes somewhere else. But there was something in the middle that was kind of hard. It was an awkward song because it had the rhythmical changes and the chord structure changes were awkward. Something we do often is when we find something that feels awkward instead of giving up on it, we force it to work somehow. So we kept at it and again I had this thing where the bridge part had this almost celestial string part that comes in. And when I was writing that backwards it became this other melody that I am then singing. It's almost like a mirror that meets at the end one part stays on and then it meets its own mirror and then turns backwards again. I don't know how apparent that is in a song, but it was what it needed to fit it together with the rest of the song.
0: So let's get to the first segment of our uh, our little show here. And the first segment is the first time you heard the song. So uh, we should we have a few we should get a few personal anecdotes in here so uh, let me hear. Uh, Anne, when was the first time you heard this song?
2: Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was sometime in 2007. I had heard And the Glass Handed Kites and was completely in love with it. And so I thought, oh, this is a good time to go and and see what else they have in their back catalog. So I got Fringers and I listened to the album, you know, start to finish. So um, I didn't have any particular first listen other than just I listened to the album and... um, yeah, that, that I can't really remember anything other than just having listened to it as something that came after in the Glass Handed Kites cuz in the US it hadn't been that album hadn't been released um in my area prior to that. So that was my first exposure to it at all. Um and I hadn't heard it on the radio or anything like that. So that's that's my story.
0: So quite uh you you got to it quite late then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I had only her, ever heard uh, "Zookeeper's Boy" on the radio, so I, I, that was me in my baby days of Mew fandom.
0: <laughs> so, still a very early song, though, in your of, like of theirs. Yep. To say, Yeah, okay, what about you, Adva? When was the first time you heard the song?
1: Uh, I don't remember exactly when I heard heard it for the first time. I feel like it was a radio hit, but I just didn't. Um, uh, yeah, for me it was—it wasn't the first song that I—that uh, made me a fan of the band. I would say that, uh, even though it was probably the first uh, re- like radio hit in Norway. Uh, I actually became a fan when I saw them perform "She Came On for Christmas" on a Norwegian TV talk show, um, and then I just I just uh, went on online and just downloaded <laughs> different songs um, illegally. I would have to say now, uh, obviously I've bought everything since then just to be safe here but, yeah i used like a limewire or casa or whatever it was back then and back i like in the good old early 2000s yeah and um i remember listening to it, uh, the song but it was the first version of it with a, a weird opening and yeah so i thought that was the only version of it uh together with other songs like one five six and yeah um so uh, I don't know I don't, don't remember exactly when I actually heard the uh, French's version but I got the album for Christmas my um my little brother who was 11 at the time he bought me the album for Christmas um and yeah he became a fan as well together with me because I played the songs a lot um and uh, yeah um so back then I was I was like in 19 or 20 at the time and I listen to a lot of like rock music yeah i started getting into more rock music because uh, when i was a teenager i listened more to hip-hop and stuff like that um but yeah i was listening to like nirvana foo fighters um tenacious d and some like old beatles songs and stuff like that and uh yeah you became just like a, a different turning point uh i became kind of obsessed with them pretty fast because um yeah i, I really loved the the album frangers and um MRI is maybe the standout song on on the album. Yeah, it was. Um, it's like a song that I never uh, get sick of. You know, it's. I feel like it's um, a good starting point for any new Mew fans, or like if you want to introduce the the band to someone, you show them MRI. No, because uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, the safest <laughs> starting point, I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's The song is very like it's like the core muse song in a way right yeah the is. their their follow up album kites it's been quoted several times to be like a, a reimagining or like a continuation of the 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 concept, uh, con- concepts they kind of developed in, in, in MRI and like the way they built the song is how they decided to build the entire album and make it feel yeah. like it like that song yeah it's um, true and the the song has also this kind of takes you on this kind of journey i always like to think that there there's certain there's like a certain type of song in their catalog which always takes you on this sort of journey where it starts off in one place and then builds into something else and then completely changes into something third and and mm-hmm. so on I, I don't know if you've ever Thought of the songs in that way, or if it's just me. no,
2: absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, the, they've even talked about them being some sort of a journey. You're you're going through mm. an experience. You're not just listening to a song. You're having an emotional experience. Yeah,
1: yeah I guess that's uh that song is one of the reasons why they're actually called like a progressive band in many by many people. Uh, even though it's a pretty short song, it has like it sounds like it's kind of like three songs in one. It's um it has so many different parts and yeah, it's a kind of a weird, um, rock song, but it, that was that's kind of the song that made new, what they are now like they're like alt rock legends because of that song. So,
0: yeah, I find it funny. I guess if, if I go into like my, my first time hearing it, I don't actually remember the exact time I heard it, but I know I heard it before I was aware who of who they were. Um, because there used to be this it, back in the early two thousands, there used to be this um, TV show on the public, the, the what's it called? Den Den DR like yeah. Denmark's Radio. It's like a basic TV station in, in Denmark, right? And they used to have this show for aimed at teenagers, uh, where they showed music videos, and occasionally you could back in the day SMS text it right into the show, and then the, you you could you could send um, your wishes in, and so someone obviously asked for. MRI. Uh So I remember kind of seeing this video and like I was kind of captivated by it and by the song. I thought was interesting, but I didn't really register it at the time. I was into different things, right? I was a Linkin Park kid, right? <laughs> <then. laughs> yeah. um, so uh, it, it didn't come to a bit later. Um, I had this friend in in my in my school class who was really into Danish music um, and just music in general. He was really going on on a bit of a uh and uh, what you call it like a bit of a journey himself uh, mm-hmm. trying all, all all sorts of like music especially uh, what today would probably go as indie like alternative music it was called back then yeah um and mm-hmm. he he i didn't have internet at the time but he did uh, a lot of my friends did but he would then sit and obviously get these albums he would rip them to his computer he would also download some songs uh, and then he would make these cds for me that he would then bring me like oh you should check out these albums uh, so i'd sit there and listen to them but he never brought me which i always thought thought mm. was pe- peculiar remember um so one day I was I, I came by the CD right I came by Fringers which was kind of on sale. This has probably been two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that. And um, I, I knew the song was on there. I was obviously uh, I I wanted to hear more of like Snow Brigade and, and comforting sounds and One Five Six at the time. Um, so I got home and you know pl- I plug in this new CD I just bought and then, boom, there we go. That's that weird song I didn't remember. Um, so I was just kind of blown away by like. Yeah, the, the shared size and journey, and like the whole, I guess you would say composition. Obviously, at the time, I was too young to really comprehend what was actually going on. I just thought it was a really cool rock song. And then the rest of the album just kind of sealed the deal. Um, so, yeah, that was, that. Was, I guess that's kind of my, my introduction to this song. It wasn't the first Muse song I listened to, but it, it kind of was, but it, it wasn't the first time. Like, it wasn't the first song I was aware of, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the first one was comforting sounds, but that's for another episode.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, should we go to the the fans then? We have we had a survey out, um, and we asked when was their first time hearing the song. Yeah,
0: I suppose we should mention that uh, for these first few episodes, we've kind of kept it under the rock. Uh, so yes, we asked people to to give us some anecdotes, but uh, without saying much else. So um, yeah, but let's uh, let's let's bring them in.
1: Okay, I guess I'll read the first one. This is from Jacob Suedan or Sedan from Mexico. He says, It was at my grandma's house when I was watching MTV, and I was immediately blown away by the visuals and sound. The harsh drums of the guitar and the intro was everything I needed and wanted. When Jonas started to sing, I was amazed by the duality of, his, of this band. The soft and angelic vocals of Jonas, the drums of Silas, and the base of Johan coexisting in reckless perfection and bow doing his magic told me that Mew had come to stay. The next day at school, Mew was everything I was talking about. I was preaching the gospel of Mew to everyone I knew. I don't think I was ever that kid. <laughs> 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 I would have been probably if I was younger when I... Um... Obnoxious kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I would
2: have <laughs> yeah. done that no, as I well. I guess I was
0: more <laughs> of a quiet one when I was, uh, when I was a kid. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we also have one from Kuka uh, Jerevenen. From Finland, um, do you want to read that, Anne?
2: Sure. It's the same question. What was the first? When was the first time you heard "Am I Right?" No, I used to run quite a lot, and this song was on my playlist and still is. It gives a nice boost for your run, but I always listened to the "Half the World Is Watching Me" version. I didn't like the bridge, the instrumental part, so it was always a little struggle to skip that one part of the song because I didn't want to skip the whole song, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: I, I it is an interesting little. Uh, there are some interesting differences between it, but I find it, it it's cool that she has the half the world is watching me version on there. I wonder like which which of the versions were actually more popular. Um, but yeah, uh, that probably just, if I just. It looks like it's
2: the. Yeah, Fingers I, I imagine it's probably where you are in the world too. Yeah, and how exposed you were to their music at that time. It's yeah. definitely in the United States. We had never heard of the first two albums.
1: Yeah, exactly. But like for me, like I heard the old version first, at least from like what I can remember. Even though I probably heard the newer version on the radio first, I became aware of the song when uh, I downloaded the old version. But when I, when I listen to them now, both uh, like back to back, the newer version is clearly better. Just the production value and the vocals and everything, the guitars. Yeah, it just sounds better to me. Uh, even though. The later version is missing the, the crazy synth part that comes in at the guitar bridge kind of part. Where, if you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. There's like yeah, like a, yeah, like a high pitched synth coming in there. That's lacking in the French's version. But I, I don't really miss it to be honest. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, we could also I mean talk we could about talk
0: the... about the differences between the two songs.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, there's uh, the 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 beginning is different because on the uh, have the world is watching me uh, there's uh, like the um, the ending of ending uh that that is uh, like the hidden track that comes uh the starts if you actually rewind from the starting point of uh have the world is watching me the cd and you go back and um about two minutes or something like that you hear the ending hidden track and then it goes into like a kind of weird sound it sounds like a yeah Dryer, washing, machine, washing and dry. machine yeah and then it comes into um uh, the song um yeah and obviously like i said that the production is different it, it's just it sounds better now the, the french version because it's a more professional studio with a different producer and yeah
0: yeah i mean i don't know i, I always preferred the fringers version because e- even though you live in Denmark at that time the, those albums were not available those first two albums so um right. i think the fringers songs were the only songs available until like 2005 um and even even beyond that uh, you had to you had to know where to go on the internet to find the the old versions of the song
1: yeah because um, yeah it was re-released in 2007 right.
0: yeah exactly so if you if you either were very rich and bought bought those albums off ebay Mm-hmm. Um, or you went on dodgy sites and downloaded the um yeah. the less legal versions of it, um, because mm-hmm. also streaming wasn't a back, a thing back then. YouTube was barely a thing back then, right? No, um, it wasn't. Right, yeah. YouTube didn't release till like two thousand five, uh, and and it took a few years to take off. So um, like yeah, um, so I, I'm still to this day, I'm very unfamiliar with that sound like it doesn't click with me in the same way that the fringers version and everything after fringers does um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know about you Anne.
2: yeah i have the same sort of feeling about it i i hadn't heard it the uh half the world is watching me version until a long time after i'd heard the fringers version and then when i heard i was like oh yeah this doesn't feel as tight as well produced as is um like yeah. The sound doesn't feel as rich. There's something I about was the just... guitars,
0: isn't there? Like the yeah, it just kind it,
2: of it it. felt like kind of faded compared to the new version. I, I don't know if that's the right word to, to, to describe it. But yeah, I definitely preferred the Fringers version, not just because I had heard it first. I mean, you can obviously grow attached to something you hear f- the first time. But um, yeah, I, I just definitely prefer the Fringers version.
0: It's really cool though to like see you can kind of hear the transition right from the first album over into the second. The the guitar sound is the same, like raw, noisy, like uh, what you call it, like my bloody Valentine inspired. Um, yeah, like shoegazey gay Yeah, but, but the songs are these great, well put together fringers songs. Um, so it's it's quite it, it sounds almost like a demo to me. Um, which is quite funny because yeah. it's right. not. Right. Um,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: But I guess recording when, when you were just a a small underground band in Copenhagen, you just didn't have access to high level studios the way they did, or the way they got when they when they signed the deal for Fringers, I suppose. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Should we go on to talk about the the live version of the song? Yeah. So let's skip to the the next segment, the live versions of the song.
0: I know you wrote uh, a few thoughts on it. Uh, Do you want to talk a bit about it, Adva?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I've seen this song uh, play live probably, I think, 13 or 14 times now. And uh, it's always. Is that every concert? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because they always play (laughs) MRI now because uh, it's a mainstay on the set list. But yeah, um, it's um, pretty much played as it is on the album um, with a. But they have a really cool backdrop to it, which uh, is actually has changed uh, the last few years now because uh, it was pretty old, I guess, uh, how it used to be. But um,
0: yeah, yeah, they've changed it, the backdrops a few times, haven't they? Yeah, but just the, a, the, the concept yeah. is mostly the same as far as I, I've it noticed. Is,
1: yeah, um, just a few minor changes here and there. And um, uh, yeah, they always played, as I said, like the like on the album um but the ending of it they always go into 156 at least whenever I've seen them they always uh, gone into 156 like straight into it so they don't like fade out obviously <laughs> like they do on the album uh, they just go in straight into 156 um but yeah it's always a popular song live the when whenever uh, the song starts everyone goes crazy you know it's a yeah yeah I feel
0: like it's always there. Yeah, there's a moment in in the in the show is always where I, I, there's also some timing to it, I suppose. Like there's the moment in the show when they just stop the song and then we're waiting for the next one. And then mm-hmm. you just see Jonas pick up a guitar usually. Yeah. And then yeah. You know it's, boom, it's coming? there you go, no. right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, you you totally know what's coming, right? Totally, yeah. You, yeah. Once he, he picks did. up that guitar, it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but that thing about fading into 156 um, Mm -hmm. that's I feel like isn't that very much a thing they introduced in um, in 2009 around the time of of No More Stories their follow their Uh, fifth album at that point
2: or did they do that prior to I
1: feel like I remember them doing that before that too but um, I could actually uh, find that out Um, but yeah I feel like the They've always done that whenever I've seen them play it. Because um, I saw it for the first time in 2005, in actually, yeah, in October 2005, so 13 years ago, um, in like a really small, uh, it was a P3 sessions um, in in Oslo. And it, it was like uh, maybe 25, 30 people in the crowd. Um, and I remember, I'm pretty sure that. Played it that way back then as well. I can find that out for you. Um, let's see. I can.
0: Uh, I can do something. Well,
2: I think in even on their live in Copenhagen DVD they have Mi Rhino yeah. fading into One Five Six. Yeah. Um, and that was from two thousand six. Oh yeah, so, true. yeah,
1: And I see that here. Yeah, two thousand uh, October fourth, two thousand five. They played in NRK Studios in Oslo. They, yeah, track number three, Mi Rhino, and number four, One Five Six.
0: I, yeah. can, uh, I can I uh, can play you a little bit from that spe- specific session if you like.
1: Wait, is that the Danish one or I guess it's Danish? This one. is
0: the Norwegian one. I've got both.
1: Oh, you got both. Oh. So you were Ooh. in you were in the crowd Ooh. when this played. Yeah.
0: You probably don't remember at all, right? It just sounds like one five, <laughs> Not one five six. MRI. Yeah. And yeah, one five six is played straight after this. Can you hear yourself sing along? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that oh, I just it was there. really cool. So like what what let me let's get it. What's the what's the coolest concert? Like what 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 concert were you at where this song was the best? Mm. Cuz sometimes you know you can be at a show where it's like, "Oh, there's that song." Again, or like where the song doesn't quite have a payoff. Yeah. Um I feel like every song has a best moment to shine. Um but I don't know when if if you were to pick a concert which one would that be and where when was it
1: hmm. Well uh I feel like my favorite tour was the Kites tour in 2005 2006 I saw them twice I, the one uh, uh, when I was just mentioned and and then in March 2006 I saw them again in Oslo um I think that was it's probably my favorite new concert because yeah I just love the setlist of I was in love with uh, glass and the kites the new album at the time it w- is still my favorite album of theirs and for all time uh it was just amazing just seeing um like the band uh, for the first time at a big stage and uh, yeah it was probably at uh, that time yeah for me like i don't remember seeing mri um like i just remember the whole concert being great uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember like a specific uh, concert where MRI was any greater than it usually is. But yeah, probably two thousand
0: six. What about you, Anne?
2: It's probably for the same the same reason. Like there, there was no um, like one time that I remember being spectacular other than just the first time I saw them because this was the first time I saw the backdrop animations the first time I'd been in the same room with them so the entire experience was just like so enhanced and yeah that that backdrop like really got to me I was like oh the the cat playing the violin that is so cute and I, I kind of fell in love with Jonas's handwriting in the background and I eventually um, got a tattoo on my arm with a- M- I Ry" written on it in his handwriting. I, I eventually, many years later, when I started collecting albums, I bought the um, special release of the Japanese version. And they, on one of the discs, had all of the backdrop animations that had been um, created up to that point. So I was able to like take a screenshot of that animation uh, where his handwriting is up on the screen saying, am I right? And I put that on my arm and yep, now it's with me at for all time. That's pretty wow.
0: cool. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, for me, it's always been, um, I think it was the 2009, it was the no more stories tour. And this has been the November show. So it was after the release of the album. I saw quite a few shows before that, but I just remember having seen all the festival shows in the summer. Um, and and kind of gotten a bit like f- too familiar with the set list at the time, and then here came came the uh, the winter tour, sort of where I guess they also went abroad after that. Um, and it was in uh, Copenhagen in Copenhagen, and they they've opened the the entire set list with the Secretary and uh, and hmm. China Berry Tree, and then they that faded into a special and Zookeeper. So you're already you're already there, right? The hype's going, yeah. and then they finally, like, they're, they're done with suit keepers, it's quiet, and then they just go hi, welcome, we're Mew, welcome to our show. Mm-hmm. Boom. And then they just go, yeah. like, it was so I can't even, they were just saying it with such a confidence of, like, we're, we're blooded back, deal with it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then they just blow into an MRI, and then further on into 156, so I just remember, like, it was such a powerful opening, and then they just go, they, they just ended the opening with, oh yeah, this is us, and we're done here. Boom. right, And then it blow us out with an even longer set, uh, obviously. But <laughs> it was yeah. just, I still remember being in, the, in that show and them saying it. Mm-hmm. Also helps that I think I have the recording somewhere. Ah. Uh, but oh, wow. yeah, it was uh, it was quite a... That's kind of my, my best moment. I remember them going into MRI and obviously this was with backdrops and everything as well. So the whole explosion and flashing and then suddenly you have the what you what 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 you would you describe it as the the backdrop for those who don't know it? Um, they the, when the song builds, they have this what you call it like falling stars or yeah, as I if you're you going through, through space in a way, flying through space. Yeah, it's like the when the Millennial Falcon yeah, Star Wars exactly. goes yeah right into hyperlight speed, you get that sort of, but it's all golden and yeah, it goes really really well with the with the yeah. build up, um, and then yeah, from there it kind of goes into the more uh, the cat with the violin mm-hmm. and all that um yeah
1: all right and we also have some uh, fans who who've written in to us uh, about their uh, first or best experience of seeing mri live and uh, do you want to read the first one from steffi uh, thomas yeah sure can and steffi is from the netherlands
0: and um the first time steffi saw her, uh, MRI has been... It was on the 17th of August, 2007, during the Beat Day Festival in Copenhagen. My husband, then boyfriend, and and I travelled to Copenhagen to see Mew on Beat Day. It was my first time seeing Mew live. We spent the entire day in front of the main stage along with other Fringers, which was so much fun. Fringers are such kind and loving people in general. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. I agree. (laughs) Even though we were foreigners, we felt very welcome... The Ravenets and Kashmir were performing as well, and we were huge fans of both of the, those bands as well, so the entire experience was incredible. I still remember so many details, and I loved every second of it. Hearing MRI l- live was an amazing highlight among the, amongst many highlights, but I will never forget standing there surrounded by, th- to th- by thousands of people singing along and jumping and dancing to MRI. No, it was mind-blowing. i added a little no there yes it always (laughs) feels a bit odd both to say mri and then not getting the final bit i know instead of just calling it rye but yeah it's yeah Mm -hmm. that's uh that's a cool experience that one yeah um beat day 2007 that was also the show where they played (coughs) another b-side the uh that time on the ledge i really wish i was on that show yeah
1: me too sounds like a good show Uh, I remember thinking, "Oh, I
0: should go to that show," mm-hmm. and then never went. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I went to Beat Day two thousand nine, but I didn't go to Beat Day two thousand seven. Okay, so uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a cool one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have uh, Jacob, Jacob again from Mexico. Yeah, do you want to take that one, uh, Anne?
2: All right. Um, Jacob says, The first time Mew came to Guadalajara back in 2009, I ran into everybody I introduced Mew to. I was so excited. I don't remember the exact feeling when I listened to Am I Rye, but it was special since it was the song that made me friends with a lot of people I ran into that day.
0: Also, I believe I have a, a little... Uh, if that's from... Was that the first show, I wonder, in Mexico? because i've got one yeah, of the I think it
1: is. Yeah. wildest yeah. recordings yeah. i've ever seen on youtube and there are many yeah that is crazy that's like a boy band kind of thing like a backstory yes Boys i'll try
0: and play it a little bit because if this is the show he's from he, they were probably in for a hell of a time let's yeah. see here <laughs> hope it's not too loud no it's not I can almost hear it in my head just watching it.
1: That just always struck me as a. It's a crazy recording. Uh, Concert I wanted to be at. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, the Mexican fans seem like they're really into (laughs) MU.
0: Yeah. I I believe that video is from 2009, that 2009 tour, when they finally got the chance to go to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're all seeing them for the first time. yeah, and you could just sense the, the excitement because I, I remember even seeing online how all the Mexican fringers have just been pushing and pushing and wishing and wishing yeah. and posting everywhere oh, please come to Mexico, please come, mm-hmm. and starting petitions and everything. And then just going to a show like that and where the whole room is just into yeah. it. Like, I, have ne- I don't remember ever being like, I think I've been to like a couple concerts in my life where that has been the case.
1: Yeah, and same. I mean, and I believe, if you see them in uh, yeah. in Scandinavia, the, the Scandinavian audiences are pretty much like really mellow compared to the Mexican <laughs> crowds. So yeah, you never get to see the same <laughs> level of enthusiasm in, in Scandinavia.
0: Yeah, the closest thing I get is still from 2009, though that was a wild mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, yeah, another story time. Uh, the Roskilde Festival, the mm-hmm. biggest festival in yeah. Denmark. Uh, you've probably heard yeah. of it. Um, back in two thousand nine, they still didn't play the main stage, the orange stage. Uh, they were still playing in what is uh, called arena, which is like a big tent. I think the official number is seventeen thousand people, yeah. but that night there was at least thirty thousand. Wow! I think Ooh, the wow! Around the tent, right? So it's two thousand nine. It's the most hype band in Denmark. They've been away and silent for four years. Mm-hmm. Um. Everyone knows there's an album coming. It hasn't landed yet. It's not coming till August, and this is uh, June, July, um, and here I am. This is funny story. I just saw them the week prior <laughs> for the first oh. time, uh, like five minutes from where I lived. Uh, their their um, I guess their practice studio, like for their live tour was, um, and they did this secret showcase. I don't know if you remember that. They did like a secret showcase where you had to solve some riddles. Um, to be able to even purchase tickets for this show. Uh, And the ticket price was uh, 156 Danish (laughs) Kroner. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, And I'm guessing there was only 156 tickets because we definitely weren't more than 100 people in that room. And they had left beers and everything. It was like a a very full of fans. Um, And as I'm standing in the queue waiting for the show to begin, I get a call, hey, from a friend where, who I did some other stuff with, and he's like, hey, do you want to go to Ruskiller Festival next weekend? Uh, like, I'd never been at that point, so I was like, uh, yeah. So I find myself a week later watching the exact same show with a completely different experience, right? From mm-hmm. 100 people just standing around being like, oh, this is the new songs they're going to be playing. And, wow. and, and then, and like, we we're so close to them, and then now I find myself in the middle of, like, 30,000 wow. people. And for... <laughs> since the last band left the stage until they came on stage like everyone was just shouting and like you know not shouting but like you know uh, cheering for them to come on and every time this you know a sound technician would walk on stage everyone would go like "rah!" Like, <laughs> it was mental um yeah i believe the show got a gaffer that i mentioned previously like i believe they gave him the maximum amount of stars for the same reason that like the, the energy in that tent was so high yeah. so when they finally went on opening with new terrain and uh, introducing palace players which was mm. quite odd like it was it was such a surreal yeah. thing um and then when they finally got to mri that was when the tent went mental right because that was what everyone was there everyone had been waiting for for so long mm-hmm. i think Gaffey explained this as like uh, the the princess of Denmark returning from like being outside like that was the wildest concert I've probably been yeah at, sounds crazy uh, with them wow oh. um so yeah that was a bit of a, a story tangent there for <laughs> yeah me. but that's the closest I get to that Mexico
1: uh, show yeah I don't know if you've had that experience yourselves uh, no not that crazy um. Yeah, I don't. Th- I've I haven't seen them at like any big festivals. I've seen them at just some small festivals. Um, biggest crowd I've been to with them is probably eight to ten thousand people. Uh, I actually saw them outside at, at a festival in uh, Norway that summer of two thousand nine uh, as well. In August, just like a few days before the album was released. So I, I only knew. I think only knew introduced Palace players from the new album. But yeah. Uh, just the crowd was—I uh, don't remember it them being that. I—I I feel like, uh, Norwegian, uh, festival crowds are pretty mellow, <laughs> kind of. I yeah, I don't. It wasn't that any, anything spectacular or anything like that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna make sure to put the uh, the review for that show in the in the show notes. It's in Danish, but I think it, I think it will cover it
1: probably. Yeah. And we have one more um, from uh, Kuka Järvinen in Finland about her experience. Um, She said, well, the first new gig for me was uh, overall was in Helsinki in 2015. And I can't remember how I felt during this particular song, but the whole concert was just awesome. So probably hearing this song was also just amazing, singing along and jumping up and down. Yeah. So basically, like, uh, do you jump up and down when, uh,
2: when
0: um, you get
1: to the song? If I'm drunk enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um? Oh
2: no, I'm I'm definitely um, one of the more reserved concert goers. Like, people in Seattle are are very much like Scandinavian fans, where they just kind of bop their head along, and mm. unless they're really really drunk, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a lot more of a mellow experience. So,
0: yeah. See, I, I feel like you've been missing out. The next time they play Ross Killett, I would suggest you go. See,
2: that's the thing. I, I'm in a very unique position, and I've seen them over 20 times, but they've all been in tiny or medium-sized venues. I don't think I've seen them in any venue that was over 2,500 people maybe. More More so, they've been in like 500 and under. So right. I've never seen them in a giant situation like festival or anything like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Uh, I've seen them in Glasgow where they're, I guess, bigger than 500. Um, It was a fairly big show, but it wasn't sold out or anything, which was a very different experience for for me as a a Dane, Uh, coming from like the 2009, 2010 time when they were just like, you you have to be quick to get those tickets. There's just no way around it. Or you have to go to a festival where they're playing, right? Um, That was kind of how it felt back then. So it was quite a surreal experience to see them as like, just another band coming through the town. And, yeah, you know the the enthusiasts showed up and like yeah, yeah. it's 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 inter- it's an, it's a completely different experience, definitely. Uh, but I would totally recommend you coming by um, next time they play Ross because it's it's so different when you have that stadium sized crowd. True. And while at a festival, they're definitely not fans in the same way. You generally get you know the greatest hits. Parade, but still standing in like up, up, up front, up closer in the pits with like a massive crowd that are just there for the music and you know, just in that festival mood and all a bit drunk or a bit high. Yeah. Or uh, I don't know, found i think last time i was in the pit there uh, i remember standing next to this this couple that were just making out and enjoying <laughs> and like i don't know if they just met that week and they were just like oh they're gonna kind of experience we we're standing there a bunch of dudes who have been drunk and standing in queue for too long and we just want to jump and get warm and throw water at the other pit and like <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very different experience and then when the songs finally come in like mri you just can't help but just get drawn along and just stand there jumping and shouting and singing along. It's such a different experience to yeah. that small enclosure. It is. So let's move to the next segment, um, the segment where we go through the lyrics of the song and try and analyze it the best we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty well known that um, pretty much all the lyrics are written by, by the lead singer, Jonas, um, and he tends to be very inspired by dream his dreams and like the imagery from dreams um but in this particular case i know there's been there hasn't been a lot said on it but it, it it's i believe the band has said that it's definitely about a breakup and whilst um a breakup that jonas had but not one that he's ever wanted to go into any further um but uh, let's let's try and see how that kind of shines through in the song i suppose when we when we get to it I don't know if you guys know any like tidbits uh, on the song before we start.
1: No. Uh, nope. That's
0: pretty much it. Well, and do you want to take it away then? All
2: right. Farah. now that we're here, can you tell me exactly how I should have done? Farah drives with her eyes closed. Do you ever inflict unwanted memories?
1: Yeah. So it's um, kind of... Yeah. About a girl. It's about a girl named, named Farah, yes, And I... I thought for a long time that he was singing, can you tell me exactly how I should have died? That was, yeah. So for me, it was a very different song for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Indeed. Yeah. But uh, dress with her eyes closed. um, So she's...
0: uh, It feels like a a betrayal of some sort. Yeah,
1: he's obviously a bit... Bitter or something like that, because um, he feels like she's doing the wrong thing.
2: And she's going through life sort of blindly. She's just, like, pushing forward without thinking about consequences. That's how I read that line. Yeah, that's
0: a very good way mm-hmm. to put it. Do you ever inflict unwanted memories? And she doesn't realize how our...
2: she's hurting other people.
0: Yeah. there's so many good lines in this song, but let's get back to those as we get through. Well, yeah, All right, next her,
2: line. Supposed. I know you, and I know it won't take you long to make me smile
0: I feel uh, I've definitely had that feeling in the past mm-hmm. right that even even when you've been really hurt, that feeling of like oh, but they still make me so yeah. happy mm-hmm. I feel uh, that's always what I get from that line, yeah,
2: I think that's a universal feeling. everybody knows what that feels like,
0: yeah, but it's very interesting how that's something we haven't really touched on how this song, especially the way it's he sings it right the first verse is just so pow in your face and like it's always very loud and then in on the chorus it goes into this low and more Mm. mellow Mm -hmm. Uh, and i don't know i always found that in rock songs it's always been the reverse it is like where the 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 verse is always a bit mellow and then pow here's the chorus right so i always found that contrast really interesting
2: farah angelic girl i'll have you know it's you and me potentially Farah, don't pull the carpet from under me. Indifference is killing me.
0: I always really love that last line. Yeah, but I think it's the way it's again. It's so mm-hmm. it's like indifference.
1: Yeah, the way it sounds. Like, yeah. it like kind of breaks it up,
0: and then somehow it always res- resonated with me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so here he's begging her to come back to him. She's been put on a pedestal, definitely. When you,
0: when you call someone an, an angelic girl, I right? like there's some. Yeah otherworldly about it i'll have you know it's you and me potentially Uh, that's such a is that isn't that quite a backwards way of saying it that we could have been so much more
2: Mm -hmm. yeah we we have we have potential but uh it's it's up in the air at this point
0: yeah don't pull the carpet under me from under me like uh, yeah, uh, it's some quite simple lines, but I feel like it's the way they're put together really gives like a. It makes it uh, somehow these simple lyrics it turned into something more sophisticated. Yeah, it's like yeah, so it hits me he,
1: He's good with words, I would say. Yeah, as we know that he always has a way of making even simple lyrics uh, sound very poetic and.
2: And then here we go with the the main chorus part. Am I wry? Oh my, fallacy. Fallacy in my words. Am I wry?
1: Yeah, so the big question is, what does wry actually mean?
2: (laughs) Yeah, and think that even English speakers might, like native English speakers, might have a problem with that word since it's not in common usage. Yeah, Um, and it
1: means a lot of different things, I think, Yeah,
2: so in this context, it, it means like ironic... Or with a sort of a dark humor. Um, in in general terms, rye would mean something that is like bent or twisted. Like if you think of um, somebody who's got a crooked nose or something like that. Like if they've been a bar fight or something, that would be a rye nose. It's it's kind of twisted to one side. Or, right. or some kind of a distortion. So okay. it's 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 talking about it in, in those terms. Something isn't as it seems or... Um, you're trying to get another um, like level of meaning behind something. So Rye, in terms of a sense of humor is generally how you hear this. And so hmm. he's he's definitely talking about some kind of an emotional wryness there.
1: Okay. I never thought hmm. of it.
0: I never, I never really knew that it had that sort of irony to it, that like it's meant in some sort of am I uh, being ironic? Is that kind of what he's saying?
2: Yeah, in a in a way, it's like irony, but there's sort of a darkness behind it. It's not like um, a kind of funny ha ha sort of thing. It's funny like, oh, jeez. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I feel like the next line, yeah, when he says, "Oh my fallacy, fallacy in my words," is that is is he being like, kind of mocking her in a way? Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's it's definitely a mocking. It's yeah. like, oh, am, are my words fake or are? Uh, you know am I saying something that doesn't make any sense to you like w- yeah. what is this to you
1: it's just very different uh, yeah, the way he's writing that it sounds like a kind of like a theatric way of of uh, writing like it's yeah it's definitely like a poetic thing it's, it reminds me of like an old like a Shakespearean player or something like that,
2: sure. Yeah, and it's it's got this sort of melodramatic feel to it, even though like the way it's sung is totally different from this. And I think that's part of the irony of it is it's it sounds mm-hmm. so beautiful when it's sung, but he's it's like it's some cutting words there, really. You can almost yeah.
0: hear like uh, the ironic tone of like, "Am I right? Oh my, yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also find it interesting that it's, it comes after these lyrics of like, "Oh, you left me. Oh, I'm so sad. And oh, please don't pull the carpet from under me." And then twist. Yeah. I'm got, he's gonna pull the cupboard under her. I, I suppose mm-hmm. by saying, yeah. "Oh, am I right? Oh, sorry." Yeah, I never <laughs> yeah, thought. I never knew that. Like, I never knew that. It
2: feels like an argument, or he's he's like fighting with himself in his head over. Oh, I feel one way, but I also feel another way, and it's it's hard for me to deal with these conflicting feelings.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I I also find it it's interesting that he never actually says no. Am I right? no, as in the title of the song. No is not said. Yeah, he's answering the
1: question (laughs) in the title, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) Is he being ironic? No, he isn't. No. No. (laughs) No. So,
2: And then we go back to, I know you, and I know you're not afraid to say the least.
0: So, is he saying that he knows her, and he knows she's not afraid, or does he say he he knows her, and he's not afraid to say the least.
1: I think he's saying I know you and you're definitely not afraid to say Wait, you're not you're not afraid. Yeah, you're definitely not afraid, right?
2: Yeah, it, it's like yeah. to say the least is kind of a a different um line in in essentially there like I know you and I know you're not afraid. And then it's more like comma yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's not like he's afraid to say the least. Like, he's not not afraid to say the least.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If if you're just reading it, it could be read that way, for sure. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't really
1: mean anything, so yeah. Right.
0: But now, knowing that he's probably being quite ironic, Mm -hmm. uh, I I feel like the sentence also changes, like, the meaning of the sentence. It's definitely not about him smiling anymore, right, because of the thought of her. Now it's like, I know you're not afraid, to say the least,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: So,
1: mm-hmm. I, I, I,
0: yeah, it's definitely a t- tw- turn in the song, isn't it? Yeah, especially it in, is. Yeah, when we continue yeah. on.
2: Yeah, and then the the final verse: "Diamond ring, diamond ring, but you can't find it. Cold is the night."
0: And that's repeat a few times, yeah, mm-hmm. until the song ends
1: that's where i kind of um, um yeah i don't know um it's kind of surprising ending to me because why is he saying that at the end like he's giving her a diamond ring or something and she can't find it i read it as
0: um, i've got a diamond ring but you're not having it
1: oh The nights
0: mm-hmm, are gonna mm-hmm. be cold but right, yeah, he's, he's moved on he's close. like you know what i'm gonna take this somewhere else right yeah yeah, yeah, that makes that's, sense.
2: That's absolutely how I interpret it. There's he may have been planning to propose to her or mm-hmm. he was thinking about it and maybe she was interested, maybe she was hunting for that diamond, but nope, not anymore. You're not yeah. having that. Now he's Bye. the one
1: who's uh yeah, he's in charge, sort of. He's uh now she's the one wanting him instead and yeah, now he can uh close the chapter on her maybe.
2: Yeah.
0: So in all, it's like I, and I always loved this about the song—how much energy there's in it—and you can definitely feel it in the way that the 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 verse is like shouted almost, right? It's there's so mm-hmm. much energy in the song, and it's like it—you can really feel that anger is there. And yeah. then it has that twist by the bridge where he's, he he—I never realized he was being—it was like an ironic word. I always thought no, that same. he was—he's like, oh, I'm feeling skewed in some way right I'm feeling I'm I'm off balance that's always how I've read Am I Rye like Rye as a word so it kind of changed the meaning of the song just there's like hearing the explanation
1: it does for me too yeah
0: so so it's very I almost feel like it's kind of sassy now (laughs)
1: like
0: the the final bit of it's like oh sorry I know you're not afraid but I have this diamond ring you're not you're not having it like you can't (laughs) find it good luck Mm -hmm. Enjoy the night. It's gonna be cold, hmm. right? Like I never, <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it like that. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So um, with this, uh, the the lyrics gone through. Let's let's try and move it. See if we can go into the next segment here, because this is one of the the songs, uh, one of the few songs that has a music video. And now that we kind of we kind of have an idea of like what the actual song is about, what the lyrics are about, and um, so it'll be maybe interesting to talk about whether. That, that like the music video has anything to do like if there's anything we can read in the music video that's in the lyrics. let mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, have you ever, have you ever had that feeling? Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, we will leave in a link in the description so you can go watch this video. But yeah, sorry. Uh, has any of you? Uh... Um.
1: Well, the video for me doesn't. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the lyrics. I don't know because there's not a there's not a girl in the video. First of all. <laughs>
0: I guess we should. Uh, I guess we should explain the video uh, yeah. for those who haven't maybe seen mm-hmm. it. Um, how how would you describe it? Like it's a they're playing in like this damp room.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like a tent. Yeah, I think it's a tent, right? Uh, with lots yeah. of uh, uh, bees or wasps or flying around. Yeah. Yeah, and they they're just playing while they're flying around, and it starts actually off with some dripping in a glass, something like that. Yep, and then. The song starts um, and uh, vocals come in earlier than on the album just because it's a music video and they cut it down a bit and yeah, they just they look very young in the video. They're probably like <sighs> you know, early 20s in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it kind of looks like a boy band video in the way they look into the camera because they were like looking up into the camera like with oh a... yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like looking like cute into the camera it, very, it uses a lot of
0: color i remember like green like blues and greens
1: yeah blue green it's, yeah. it's very it's, it's heavy on the green
2: absolutely yeah
0: Um, yeah. that always got this damp feeling from it with the water and the, the tent is like a If you have some sort of, you know, I guess infestation, which makes sense, like a a bug infestation in your house, you would get this tent inside a room, right, to protect your furniture. Does that make sense? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, like a bug bomb.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so they're playing inside that sort of tent, and then obviously by the end all the mosquitoes kind of break through. and I mean, it's not mosquitoes, it's what you call them, uh, fireflies,
1: isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah, because they're glowing, that's right. They are glowing, yeah.
1: And then they there's a part where, yeah, when they actually make like a silhouette of <laughs> the bees. Uh, yeah, they like become the
0: silhouette. Yeah, like it goes to be... yeah, yeah. yeah. like black, and all you see is these fireflies sitting on the band as they're playing. It's a very two thousands kind of
2: music yeah, video like trick.
1: A, yeah, it was like the brand new technology at the time, probably. But yeah, as I said, it doesn't. The lyrics don't fit with. the Uh, with the video i would say i don't know it doesn't feel like it has had any connections yeah it
0: it definitely seems like a music video director had a cool idea for like a visual thing to put on the song
1: yeah i I tried to find out who the director was but i couldn't find any information about that do you guys know i believe
0: it's in the uh in the booklet i'm trying to look i don't have these cds behind me i just realized i'm just sitting here looking behind me like no they're not there um but I believe it's in on there. Can you find it, uh, Anne?
2: Um, on the website, I've got credits for Henrik Bülow and Thomas Dusk. I don't know exactly if one of us is a director and a producer. It's not listed, but um, that's what we have on our website.
0: Henrik Bülow, he has, a, has an Instagram.
1: Does it say if he's a video director?
0: Definitely a photographer.
1: Doesn't say much on it, to be honest. So maybe he was the one who took the cover art for the single, maybe?
0: Yeah, to be fair, I mean, this is probably work he did 20 years ago by now.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah, let's move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so next segment again with the Fringers thoughts.
0: Yeah, so um, we've also got a little Fringers segment. So we asked out on Facebook for also um, your personal opinions of the song songs and um. On we've got our friends here, Steffi, Jacob, and Kuka, um, and their personal opinions of it. Don't know if one of you wants to, to do a little bit of reading.
1: I'll read the entry from Steffi in the Netherlands. It is one of the all-time classic Mew songs. If someone asks me what to listen to to get their first taste of Mew, this is it. It's one of their best songs to date, and it's just an amazing, energetic song. The way the song moves and changes is just perfect. It's one of those songs that makes your heart sing. That's very true. And uh, Jacob
0: says, love it. I still feel the rush of the first time I listen to MRI every time I play it. I don't know if I I completely agree, but definitely on occasions when I'm going through my shuffle and then suddenly, boom, there's MRI. I I cannot skip it. It's just impossible.
1: It depends, like if you hear it somewhere unexpected, like if you hear it in a, in a bar or in, like in a place you don't expect to hear Mew. That's happened you to find a few find it times. on the karaoke yeah. list. <laughs> yeah. I actually re- remember I was in, I believe it was in New York. I was in New York with a friend uh, three years ago and there was like a jukebox bar and they had uh, like three songs, I think, on the jukebox with Mew. Uh, that had MRI, um, Snow Brigade and maybe comforting sounds and yeah i just (laughs) put money in and played them all and yeah it was great to like hear the songs in like new york in a in a bar there just yeah it brought me a lot of joy at the time
0: Mm -hmm. the little things
1: yeah exactly
0: and the last one
2: yeah Kuka says, I prefer the Fringers version of the song. I really like it, but the older version, not that much. This is a song I would first listen to, but certainly not the last. It's a great song.
0: Amen. Yeah. So let's move into the uh, your personal opinion on the song. Do you have any? <laughs> do you have any? Any do you, do you uh, have additional
1: any... thoughts to what we've already uh, said? Additional
0: thoughts about this uh, Dull, boring song here. Yeah, it's we don't really have any opinions on.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it's uh, I guess we've covered it. Yeah, it's an all-time classic for Mew. I don't know if it, it's uh, if it's even in my top ten Mew song, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean <laughs> it just means that they have so many great songs. But it's yeah, it's definitely top three on Fringers. Um, great song, as I said, um, the song that I always. Uh, advice people to start off with if you want to listen to me yeah
0: may i ask you what you uh, what you scored it in our big survey
1: i probably give it a 3 uh, i would uh, i can't imagine giving it less than 3 because it's yeah it's an amazing song but most songs on the fringes are amazing yeah, i would say uh, if i'm going to rank my um, personal favorites on fringes i would probably put it like third maybe i don't know Forth, there's just so many great songs on there. Maybe I even second, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's just great, it's so crowded yeah. in that top 10. There's yeah, at least 30 songs there. It's possible to, to rank them, yeah. And this one's definitely in the top three
0: somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. What about you, Anne? Did you how did you score it in the in our big survey? Uh,
2: I don't exactly remember. It's probably a, a, a top score. Um, it's yeah, definitely one of those songs where no matter when I hear it, I'm always happy to hear it. And I don't get that kind of experience of hearing it in the wild so much. So I'd have to, you know, decide to put it on. Um, But it's again, like the, the song that I will, I'll, if somebody wants to hear Mew, that's the first one I'll, I'll send them to. And um, I think it was given away as like uh, an iTunes song for, for some people for like discovering music. There's one person that I met who was, when they found out that I was a Mew fan, they, they said, oh, I, I had gotten this song in iTunes and it, I think it had Rye in the title or something. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a perfect first song. You should listen to that one. So I still love it. It's still like in the top for me um, overall. And yeah, I, I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I totally agree with, with both of you. Um, I, I think every time I've, Recommended Mew to anyone. I've always been, whether I've been making playlists or I've been picking a few songs here and there. I've always been like, start at MRI, put MRI in the top of that list, um, and then usually a cater. Uh, I like, you know you, you would always put pick a few songs that kind of cater to the person you're recommending it to, um. So usually it would be MRI, and then you you can pick any other song that kind of fits their mood or whatever. But MRI is just like such a stable. Um, and such a iconic like it really set the tone for what what I kind of expect and what I kind of hope they do with their music every time they they release new music. I think that's also why uh, when when we were at think talking about what songs to start with with this on this podcast, I've just knew that it had to be MRI like it just had to be MRI no because it's such an mm-hmm. iconic song and I, there's so many people who started by listening to MRI. Yeah. Um, it's it's the opening of two albums, um, and and I, I believe the band's even mentioned it several times that that that's usually, their like that's what it's such a like it's such an image of how they build music and how they write songs, and and as as we explained earlier, right, it's the the whole kites album, the follow up to fringers, it's, it's basically built upon the the ideas that. Sprung forth by from from writing MRI, um yeah yeah definitely couldn't agree more. And you had some some final thoughts.
2: Yeah, I I had one kind of silly anecdote about this song, and I used to bake a lot of bread in my house, and um, I'd leave it sitting out on on the counter with a little bread box around it, and I had some friends over one day and when I went upstairs to say goodbye to everybody, I noticed that somebody had taken a sheet of paper and written Am I Rye, spelled R-Y-E, like the bread, <laughs> and put it on the bread, but they had done it in Jonas's handwriting. I, I just about lost it. It was so funny. <laughs>
0: oh, man.
1: <laughs>
0: That's yeah. the official title
1: from <laughs> now on.
2: <Yep>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I, I always think about MRI. You know when you go for an MRI, if you go oh, to the hospital, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Whenever they, I hear people sing MRI on, like on TV or something, I just think about the song. I'm always <laughs>
0: like one five six. No, that's that's too much of a yeah. stretch. Let's let's get to that one later. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. can't really bend it. Let's do that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, I guess it's it's just a good start place to start for any new Mew fan or most. I think most fans started here. Um, yeah, and hopefully a good start for the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well we can yeah. that we can Wait discuss later, me. I suppose, when we get yeah. the final edit. But um, <laughs> let's just do the final words. Thanks for listening to our very first episode, and uh, sorry for any inconsistencies you may there may be throughout. <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, if you if you weren't familiar with the song, I hope you really get into the song and continue listening. And uh, if you're a big fan of you, stay tuned. We're gonna cover pretty much the entire library hopefully um, but let's see how, how it goes and let's get some feedback from you and uh, I guess we should remember to say remember to subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting app uh, whatever that may be yes definitely and uh, mm-hmm. visit muX.info for any additional information on mu and hopefully this podcast yes any final words guys
1: uh, yeah just keep listening to the next episode if you if you like this one and uh tell your friends and other fringers. yeah and uh also you can follow me on instagram it's um well it's odvar Roster. o-d-d-v-a-r-r-o-s-t-e that's my personal instagram where i post uh whenever i'm a simu leave live. it in the show yes yeah, i i go to see me quite a lot i'm gonna see them in london this weekend uh it's gonna be in the past when you hear this, probably, but yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm posting stuff like little short clips or uh, photos of me there. So if you want to see that, then follow me. And
2: um, pretty much everything that I do goes through the MewX, uh website and social media. So you can find anything that I I will be doing in those accounts. And yeah, you can just look for those anywhere. They're they're pretty consistent online.
0: Yeah, my my personal Instagram is uh, it's mostly my photography uh, that, but I don't update it very often. And most of the photos right now is just of my young son of uh, now barely fourteen months. Um, But uh, I used to do some concert photography. I don't know, maybe that will sneak in there. I've got no new photos, unfortunately. Sorry about that, guys. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but uh, I guess that we should just wrap it up and say uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. you. uh, Oh, the last thing. In the next episode, we shall be covering introducing palace players. Yes. Let's see how that goes. But um to finish it off, here's a, a little snippet of the uh, alternative version that means the half the world is watching me version. Enjoy and see you later. Bye.
2: Bye. Should have done